Hey, everybody. It is Tuesday, September 12th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, it is the annual Apple event today where they'll be revealing all of the new Apple watches and phones. And it's the much anticipated annual deal they have over there. Are you in the market for a new phone, Mosh? I feel like given how much time I spend on Instagram, how much time I'm on my phone, I feel like I'm ready. I have a 12. They allegedly today will be revealing the 15. And I feel like that's a couple numbers there. I, I feel like, you know, I'm not one of those aggressives that has to like have the newest one and like upgrade one by one. But I'm a couple numbers removed now. How about yourself? Well, if you're due for a new phone at 12, <laughs> what does that say about me at 10? I've got an iPhone 10. It is so old, Mosh, that there's one camera. There's not three cameras. Oh, one one of those lenses. You only yes. have one lens in the back. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> the other issue, Jill, and I mentioned you would notice this on a 10, is that with all these software upgrades they do, suddenly the battery starts to you know lose power more quickly. So I imagine once you unplug, you really only get a couple hours of life out of that thing at this point. The battery life is an embarrassment to battery life. However, <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually I'm in my car a lot, so it's it's permanently right. charging. And I'm home a lot. So I, I'm always near a charger. So I don't really feel the bad battery life so much. All right. Well, I think it, it might be time for a holiday gift this season. We might need to get Jill a 15. <laughs> but get me out of the house for maybe more than three hours, and then I'm in trouble. We'll have more details in just a bit in the podcast on what else to expect at that Apple event today. All right, let's get to these headlines here. As we were just mentioning, Apple getting ready to show off its newest iPhone. But what is different about this one? If it feels like everyone knows someone with COVID, the FDA has now approved a new round of boosters. But will they work on this newest strain? The U.S. moves to advance a prisoner swap deal with Iran and release $6 billion in frozen funds. Breaking bread, Vladimir Putin has invited North Korea's Kim Jong-un to visit Russia. His bulletproof train has been spotted, gradually making its way uh, out of North Korea and into Russia, Joe. A good news update on the American scientist who has been trapped in a Turkish cave for more than a week. And somehow, nearly two weeks later, the escaped Pennsylvania killer still on the loose. And police now say they are playing the long game. Does that make anybody feel better? With a name like Smucker, J.M. Smucker buying Hostess for almost $6 billion. Jill, was that a Today Show Willard <laughs> Scott reference from yesteryear? <laughs> sure was, Mosh. <laughs> <laughs> With a name like Smucker, uh, folks who didn't watch the Today Show between 1980 and 2004, that's where that comes from. But if you know, you know, right? <laughs> Yes, yes. And most you could tell I've been having fun with these headlines. Wine, wine everywhere and not a drop to drink. A river of wine literally flowing through a town in Portugal, we'll explain. And Mosh has on the say in history. Your clue today, come to the back, VIP, drinks on me. You got it? <laughs> I know it with a name like Smucker. Come to the back, VIP, <laughs> drinks on me. Anyway, it's your musical clue today for on the stay in history. 
All right, let's get to the news. The FDA approved a new round of COVID boosters on Monday. The CDC is expected to follow up today to discuss who should be getting these new shots by Pfizer and Moderna. The shots would be given as a single dose for most people five years of age and older, regardless of prior COVID-19 vaccination history. After a final decision by the CDC's director, millions of doses will be shipped to pharmacies, clinics, and health systems across the country within days. Children younger than five could be eligible for multiple doses of this season's vaccine if they had not previously finished a three-dose series with earlier COVID-19 vaccines. The CDC is likely to recommend the shots for anyone who is at high risk for serious complications from covid like older people and those with weaker immune systems or other health problems. It is unclear what the CDC will recommend for younger, otherwise healthy people, including children. The vaccine campaign will also be the first since the end of the public health emergency, which technically expired in May. Now, in previous years, the U.S. government bought hundreds of millions of vaccine doses and then distributed them for free. This year, private insurance and government payers like Medicare are expected to provide those vaccines to people free of charge. And they are saying that if you don't have insurance, community health centers will provide the vaccines this year. They were chosen a few months ago for development. And at the time, we're targeting the Omicron subvariant XBB15, which is no longer the most common strain in circulation. Other strains, though, that are currently running through everyone are closely related to XBB. One of the predominant strains that's gotten the nickname Eris, uh, EG5, accounts for about a quarter of new cases right now. There's another one called FL151. It's hard to keep track of all of these. That accounts for about 15% of new cases. Both are technically members of the XBB subvariant family. So Pfizer, Moderna, and Novavax, which also makes a vaccine but is not an mRNA vaccine, have said their boosters will work against these subvariants of subvariants. There's also been some third-party testing showing effectiveness so far. They're starting to roll these out like the flu now, Jill. The uh, manufacturers have created versions trying to match the variant they think will be in circulation every fall. The CDC is suggesting that Americans should view these now as an annual measure to protect yourself, effectively the same thing as the annual flu shot. Now, the big question will be uptake. Demand for the vaccine has dropped sharply since 2021. When the vaccine first became available, about 240 million Americans, about three quarters of the population, received at least one shot. By last fall, fewer than 50 million people got shots. And so in the last year, the vaccine making its way into about the arms of one in five Americans, down from about three quarters of Americans. Interestingly, while uh, we have been calling them boosters, they're no longer going to call them boosters. They're going to call them vaccines, similar to the flu vaccine. They want to just start calling them, you're going to get your annual COVID vaccine. And so you'll start to see the nomenclature and the use of the term booster fall out when it comes to officials. Uh, As far as the COVID situation right now nationally, hospitalizations are up. We've been talking about this from the lows in June, about 40%. But when you look at the raw numbers here, they're still down as far as hospitalizations down 90% from our peak about a year and a half ago. And Moshe, as we were talking about at the top of the podcast, today is Apple's big annual reveal of new products. Apple's expected to debut its iPhone 15 lineup at the company's annual September keynote event. It could introduce the biggest change to the phone's design in 11 years. 
The event at Apple HQ in California will be live streamed on its website starting at 10 a.m. Pacific time. That is 1 p.m. Eastern. Although the annual iPhone event has become somewhat formulaic over the years, announcing incremental changes to battery life, camera system and displays. This year, Apple is expected to introduce USB-C charging to its smartphones for the first time. And this change could ultimately streamline the charging process across various devices and brands. Apple has previously switched its iPads and MacBooks to USB-C charging, but now may be the time for the company to finally make the change on iPhones. This move would come less than a year after the European Union voted to approve legislation that would require smartphones, tablets, digital cameras, portable speakers, and other small devices to support USB-C charging by 2024. The first of its kind law aims to pare down the number of chargers and cables that consumers must contend with when they purchase a new device and allow users to mix and match devices and chargers, even if they were produced by different manufacturers. So thank you, Europe, for doing that. We often (laughs) talk about how Europe is way ahead when it comes to tech regulations and getting these companies to actually be a little more consumer friendly. Now, what to do with all our lightning cords, Jill? We basically have to throw all those away now as we go to USB-C. The entire iPhone 15 lineup is expected to get what they're calling a dynamic island feature. Uh, It's an interactive home for alerts, notifications, various controls. That'll replace the notch at the top of the screen that you kind of swipe down now to see. Apparently, it'll be a much more interactive, compelling experience. There's also rumors that they'll be rolling out better lenses for pictures. Much better, Jill, than your iPhone 10 and its one lens. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's not relevant to you, but apparently they will be getting better battery life with the new chips they're using. Uh, And there'll be a few new colors. You know, when they talk about having new colors for these phones, I wonder who it's even relevant to these days because we all use iPhone covers to protect the phones anyway. It is relevant to my husband who somehow with two young kids and a very clumsy wife does not have an iPhone cover on his phone. What is, I mean, does he play Powerball too? What is that about? He is really living on the edge and anyone who sees it has the same reaction. Like, are you serious? Like it's like so, he's waiting, so Michael, he's tempting fate. <laughs> so Michael is the only person in the world that is like, oh, I wonder what color my phone will be because mm. I'll actually see the color. Exactly. Dude, you got to go play some more Powerball <laughs> because you're really, that is something right there. So the company uh, also, in addition to the iPhone, typically also unveils its latest Apple Watches. Apparently they'll be rolling out a new Apple Watch Series 9, a more rugged uh, Apple Watch for those of you who wear them. I don't because I just feel like I'm already too connected. I I need that break. But apparently there will be a complete revamp of Apple Watches next year. They're also going to be showing off a next generation AirPod. So you can look out for that as well. And they also typically will announce some things related to iPads and computers. And then we'll learn more about the operating system, iOS 17, the more accurate autocorrect. Goodbye ducking, uh, apparently, with this new autocorrect, Jill. We'll see how that goes the new live voicemail feature that allow you to see the message as it's coming in and debate. First of all, you have to have people in your life who leave you voicemails. And two, uh, you have to watch and see, oh, they're saying something positive. Let me pick up the phone. Uh, (laughs) And then there'll be a name drop tool, which is something Android users will know, but we haven't had in the iPhone world, which allows you to hold two iPhones close together and share contact information. One controversial thing we shared a couple of weeks ago that they were testing out moving the end call button and the FaceTime button and all these buttons on the phone. Apparently, 
as the people tested that out, they heard the reaction. And we do not expect they'll be moving any buttons around on us tomorrow. Thank goodness, because I was not emotionally prepared for that <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to get some FaceTimes at inopportune moments. All right, we have a lot more to get to in today's podcast, including the speed read and some fun additions to the On This Day in History. But first, I want to thank a couple of our sponsors. We'll begin here with one of our favorite items. We've talked about how we only like to endorse things on this podcast that we really love. And Bowling Branch Betting and Sheets is one of those brands. We've had them in this house for nearly a year now and have been loving them. They certainly made this summer of record heat a bit easier with some really soft and breathable sheets. Bull and Branch, that is B-O-L-L and Branch, sheets are made with organic cotton, not using those harsh chemicals that other brands use. The sheets do get softer with every wash. I can attest to it. I know Jill can too. And right now, Bull and Branch is offering the Mo News community a special deal. You can get 15% off your first order. That is one five, 15% off when you use the promo code Mo News at bullandbranch.com. That's bull and branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS. Exclusions do apply, so see the site for details. And this show is also sponsored by BetterHelp. I'm really excited to have them on board. Given how much we talk about the importance of mental health on this podcast, getting over that threshold to talk to a therapist can be tough for some people. But talking to a therapist really can help you get through some major blocks and get clarity on things happening in your life. I know it has, for me personally, allowing me to process certain things and really move forward. And that's why we're just so glad to have BetterHelp as a sponsor here at Mo News. And we have a great deal for the Mo News community. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and it is designed to be convenient flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. You visit betterhelp.com slash Mosh, M-O-S-H, today. You can get 10% off your very first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mosh. All right, time now for the speed read from the Washington Post. The U.S. advanced a prisoner and money exchange with Iran on Monday. The Biden administration has issued a waiver for banks to transfer $6 billion in frozen Iranian funds without fear of U.S. sanctions, a key step in securing the release of five American citizens currently detained in Iran. Now, as part of that arrangement, the administration will release five Iranian citizens that have been detained in the United States. This move is likely to come as a relief to U.S. prisoners, families and supporters many of whom have waited several years for the return of the detainees. And it's also expected to come under harsh criticism from Republicans in Congress opposed to any agreement that allows for the release of frozen Iranian funds. Now, those funds are going to be transferred from South Korea to Qatar. A reminder, this money is from Iranian energy sales that have been locked up in a South Korean bank and inaccessible to Iran for years. Yeah, and they've gotten certain assurances, they believe, on how Iran will spend the funds as monitored by nearby Qatar. The U.S. prisoners held by Iran include Siamak Namazi. He's an Iranian-American who's been behind bars in Tehran nearly eight years, the longest duration the Islamic Republic has jailed any American. Others include Murad Tabaz. He's an Iranian-American who also holds British citizenship. And Amod Chargi, an American-Iranian dual citizen. All of them were released recently from Iran's notorious even prison, 
last month in an initial step of the deal. The transfer of the $6 billion was a critical element here, apparently, in this prisoner release deal, which did see these detainees initially leave prison and then go to house arrest until this final deal goes down. The fifth detainee had already been under house arrest, and they're expected to be released as soon as next week. The question right now that many analysts are asking is, is this the opening to larger talks with Iran? You know, there were the nuclear talks that were taking place during the first couple years of the Biden administration, but then cut off last year as those protests uh, rose up in Iran over human rights, women's rights, and then there was the violent crackdown by the Iranian government. So is this exchange just an exchange or is this an opening to uh, more talks? From the Wall Street Journal, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un will meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin for an official state visit, according to the Kremlin. This trip will mark the North Korean dictator's first overseas trip in more than four years. Earlier on Monday, Kim's personal bulletproof train had left Pyongyang and been spotted en route toward Russia. He does avoid planes because of perceived security risks. I would think a train <laughs> might feel less secure. Well, it's bulletproof, Jill, and he it goes about 35 miles per hour, and it goes hundreds and hundreds of miles. Incidentally, his last foreign trip I was at in Vietnam, he took the train from North Korea to Vietnam, which is a thousand mile plus journey. That's where he had that second summit with Trump that ended up with no deal. So U.S. officials said that they had expected that Kim would meet with Putin, where the two could advance talks about a sale of North Korean weapons to help Moscow replenish its supplies for its war in Ukraine. A meeting four years ago between the two was more for show. But this time, Kim has something that Putin desperately needs, available munitions. Yeah, Putin's turning up every rock, every stone, everywhere in the world, asking everyone uh, for help as he's run out of weapons, as that war will be approaching two years in just a couple months. Cooperation between North Korea and Russia will be mutually beneficial for both countries. Russia can provide North Korea with food amid the deepening food crisis in the country. Millions of Kim Jong-un's people are starving. Putin can also give them the COVID vaccine. North Korea has had trouble with that. And there's a whole bunch of technology related to nuclear weapons and satellites that Putin can provide Kim Jong-un with. Meanwhile, North Korea can provide Russia with munitions, literally bullets. A lot of them have been sitting around. North Korea hasn't been at war since 1953. And so uh, they have a lot of stockpiles that they can provide the Russians. By the way, the Russians are at the point now they're using weapons from the Cold War era going back 50 years as a lot of their stuff gets destroyed in the war in Ukraine. As I mentioned, Putin's looking around for friends, looking around for help. He has gotten some weapons, some drones from the Iranians. And here's Kim Jong-un helping as well. The Chinese have been reluctant uh, and they've been warned by the Americans not to give Putin many weapons. And so far, the Chinese have not. And so that's left Putin scrambling. Jill, I can't help but notice as we talk about this story that in a matter of a couple of days, there was the G20 summit down there in India. We discussed it on the podcast yesterday where Putin used to be front and center, right? He used to be part of the G8 before it became the G7 because they kicked them out. So it became G7 and he was part of the G20 meeting with all these world countries. And now he's in a remote part of Russia with Kim Jong-un taking a train to make a deal over some bullets. And to contrast that, Ukraine's President Zelensky is pretty much welcome everywhere and kind of like the MVP at most places. And he's starting to get Western weapons, right? He's getting F-16s. He's getting the newest of the new. 
and uh, Putin's off there asking Kim Jong-un if he's got any uh, weapons left over from the 1960s. From Reuters, American cave explorer Mark Dickey has been rescued from a deep cave in Turkey after a days-long rescue operation. He became sick during an expedition more than nine days ago and was unable to reach the surface. The rescue was completed successfully after a stretcher-bound Dickey, who is 40 years old, was lifted from his position at a camp about 3,400 feet below the surface in multiple phases. Turkish authorities said some parts of the cave system were blasted with explosives ahead of the rescue mission to make it easier to move Dickey toward the surface in a stretcher. So while we mention cave here, we should mention this is the third deepest cave in Turkey, and this is immensely deep with a lot of crevices, and that made it very difficult to get him out. His ordeal began September 2nd in Morka. It's located in southern Turkey, and as he made his way down there, he began to suffer from gastrointestinal bleeding, was unable to get himself to the surface, at times had bouts with unconsciousness. He was initially moved a few hundred feet upward to that 3,400-foot level. That's where the Turkish Caving Federation had a camp. That's where he remained for about a week as they prepared this rescue. Again, as you mentioned, in order for people to get him out on that stretcher and carry him out, they did have to blast through parts of that cave so there was enough room to be able to pull him up to the top. From NBC News, day 13 of the search for the convicted murderer who escaped a Pennsylvania prison. Police say that they have now entered the, quote, long game in their hunt for an escaped murderer in Pennsylvania. In days immediately after Danilo Cavalcante busted out of Chester County Prison on August 31st, he had been spotted around Longwood Gardens Botanical Park south of the lockup, but he is now believed to be near East Nantmeal Township, about 45 minutes away, where a van that he stole was found on Sunday. While authorities didn't explicitly say that Cavalcante's immediate capture was unlikely, they did use the term long game to describe the search. Officials had previously said that they were playing the short game. Chester County residents were asked to be on the lookout, check their security cameras, and keep vehicles and homes locked as the search for Cavalcante continued. Whether it's a short game or a long game, it doesn't seem like a fun game at all. I mean, it's almost two weeks now. And, and there's questions as to how he keeps slipping out of their security cordon. Uh, he's changing his look. He's getting around to the point where, you know, he's knocking on the doors of his former co-workers. Jill, apparently he was able to steal that van because somebody left their keys in the van, which I still can't believe is a thing. Folks, do not leave your keys in your car uh, or the escape murderer will just take it for a joyride. Now, at the same time as they're expressing this idea that they're playing the long game here, they do believe that they flushed him into a more urban setting versus that wilderness area. And so they believe they'll have a better chance of finding him here. It is a large game of hide and seek with this convicted murderer who is serving a life sentence for killing his ex-girlfriend in front of her kids. The reward right now, $25,000, if you have any information leading to his arrest. While authorities uh, continue to look for him, his sister was arrested by Immigrations and Customs Enforcement in recent days. She also appears to be an undocumented migrant, just like Calvacante. And Mosh, in some sweeter news from CNN, ready for jelly-filled Twinkies? No, thank you. Hostess, the maker of Twinkies and Ho-Hos, is being purchased by J.M. Smucker in a $5.6 billion deal. Mosh, with a name <laughs> I can't even say it with a name like Smucker. 
<laughs> the two. Making, making Willard Scott proud after all these years, Jill. It was always my favorite segment um, on the Today Show, I have to admit. Anyway, the two companies announced this transaction Monday with the jelly maker saying that the purchase expands Smucker's offerings of beloved brands in growing categories and accelerates its focus on convenient consumer occasions. In addition to Twinkies, Hostess makes a number of sweet treats, including zingers, snowballs, and (laughs) ding-dongs. Adding Hostess bolsters (laughs) Smucker's portfolio, which already contains a variety of sugary snacks, including Jif peanut butter, Uncrustables, and its namesake, Smucker's Jelly and Jams. So we made up the whole uh, jelly-filled Twinkies, but I mean, would it surprise you if they try that out? But I see some interesting collabs here, Jill. The Uncrustables, Meet the Twinkies, that could be interesting. Jif peanut butter, and again, Twinkies and Ho-Hos, interesting. I admittedly haven't had Ho-Hos or Ding Dongs or Twinkies, frankly, since maybe high school. And I will say that I did hear from a number of people in the Mo News community who did say that in recent years, all these transitions, Twinkies that Hostess has been going through, Hostess has had a number of owners that they feel the quality of the Twinkie has gone down in recent years. Wasn't the joke that Twinkies could literally last like 12 years (laughs) on the shelf? How much worse (laughs) was it going to get? I don't know. I mean, I have to be honest with you. I have not tried like a Twinkie every year for the past, I mean, I don't know, for the past two decades, I haven't tried a Twinkie, but I'm told by the Twinkie aficionados that the taste has changed because Hostess has gone through a couple different issues. They filed for bankruptcy most recently in 2012. They actually had to stop producing Twinkies. They then had a hedge fund by them. So let's hope that with a name like Smucker, they can bring the quality <laughs> back to the Twinkie. Absolutely nobody except us is going to get that reference. Again, for those of you unfamiliar with the catchphrase, Willard Scott, Today Show, several decades, he would have a segment at the end. He would congratulate uh, those turning over the age of 100 and put their picture on a Smuckers. And then he used the catchphrase with a name like Smuckers. And it was just such a feel-good, amazing segment, I have to say. Yeah, it was people turning 100 and uh, sponsored by Smuckers. All right, from the New York Post, locals of a small town in coastal Portugal were left stunned when a river of red wine flowed through their streets on Sunday after two tanks owned by Lavira Distillery, which were carrying 600,000 gallons of the booze, suddenly gave way. We posted the video on our Instagram page. It showed that red liquid flowing down a steep hill in the small town of Sal Lorenzo de Bairro, home to about 2,000 residents. The spill was so massive that the wine that escaped could have filled an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Believe it or not, some people's basements were actually flooded with wine. (laughs) Try to call your insurance with that. My basement's been destroyed because a bunch of wine flowed into it. Jill, people are having a lot of fun in the comments uh, on the Instagram post with this video. So at first glance, it just reminds me kind of of Willy Wonka, kind of like that chocolate river. That was what immediately came to mind. And then I'm like, wait, that's wine? And then I kind of felt like this sadness (laughs) about all the wasted wine. (laughs) Many people mourning it. Uh, It it was enough wine. I mean, you look at the video. It looks like you could wine water raft, wine water raft, wine river raft um, down that street as it was just flowing. Local officials had to spring into action to stop the wine in its path 
Otherwise, it could have turned the local river into wine, which they use for water, of course. The fire department blocked off the uh, flood of wine coming down, diverting it away from the river. It instead ran into a nearby field. No residents were injured uh, as a result of the spill. I mean, it was a lot of wine. You could have been knocked over by all of it. The local municipality reports a damage to the roads. We mentioned the basement that was uh, destroyed by it. The winery is apologizing, saying they will pay for the cleanup. Jill, while it's funny video to look at, can you imagine what it smells like there after a couple days? And it's probably so sticky also. It's (laughs) it's one of those things, like, in theory, it seems funny and kind of cool, I guess. But in practice, it's a total disaster. For anyone who's been to Portugal, it's about two and a half hours north of Lisbon. If you want to go check that out. If I was a marketing guru for that town, Jill, I would start making a lot of merch as the town that had the wine run through it. I feel like it'll help them with the recovery effort. Uh, to get rid of that smell. (laughs) All right, now time for On This Day in History. Before we get to it, we want to thank one more sponsor today where we're talking about health trends, food trends, and one way to ensure you get all of your important nutrients is through Athletic Greens AG1 Powder. I first tried AG1 when I was having trouble getting all of mine last year. It's just one scoop of the powder in a glass of water in the morning. It's easy, it's quick, it lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten all your important ingredients, tons of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics for your gut. And with your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D, five free travel packs. You can visit drinkag1.com, that is drinkag1.com slash monews to take advantage of the offer. Again, drinkag one dot com slash mo news just use the number one there for this special deal it'll allow you to start to really take ownership of your health all right on this september 12th jill we're going to begin with my favorite explorer henry hudson on this day in 1609 the english explorer sailed down what is now known as the hudson river it was one of more than four attempts to find japan he kept failing though he did get his name on a few things including this river in new york and uh his final attempt Hudson Bay in Canada, his crew would leave him and his son in a small dinghy saying, you failed us, Henry. And he was never seen again. Why is he your favorite explorer? Because of the whole like mutiny by his crew and the fact that like he went, he was trying to find a route from England to Japan going the other direction. And he like, he hit Maryland, then he hit Jersey, then he hit like Nova Scotia, then he hit Canada and he just was so far away. So just in retrospect, You know, I appreciate his persistence. Uh, I appreciate the comedy of it. And for someone who failed at their core mission, he certainly got his name on a bunch of stuff. Can't argue with that. He also killed less natives than some of the other explorers. So we'll give him credit for that. All right, fast forward. 70 years ago today, on this day in 1953, Senator John F. Kennedy would marry Jacqueline Bouvier in Newport, Rhode Island. He was a 36-year-old first-term senator. She was a 24-year-old aspiring journalist. They had met the previous year in D.C. Uh, Their wedding, Jill, was a Catholic mass attended by 750 people. Then an additional 450 joined for the party. So a 1,200-person wedding for the Kennedys. And they got to spend quality time with with everybody who was there. They wrote thank you notes (laughs) to all of them. Handwritten. (laughs) (laughs) Seven years later, of course, the couple would become the youngest president and first lady in American history. If you're interested in all things Kennedy, I did a deep dive over the weekend. Related to the new revelation from a former Secret Service agent who was at the assassination, uh, related to where he actually found the bullet, it could 
completely change our understanding of what happened at the assassination. So we did a deep dive over on Mo News Premium related to the assassination. Jill, a bunch of people came in, became premium users this weekend who are all into the various JFK conspiracies. We were trying to fact check them, uh, break down the story. And then we were sort of jumping around and doing a whole bunch of Kennedy stuff related to the mafia, his father, his brother, now his nephew, RFK Jr., who's running for president. If you're interested in stuff like that, we do that all the time over on the Mo News Premium Instagram account. You can find that at mo.news slash premium and dive deep with us into a whole variety of topics. We try to answer all of your questions. So do you believe that there was a second spitter Seinfeld reference. Couldn't help myself. Deep cut there from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, based on what the Secret Service agent is saying, it makes it difficult for Lee Harvey Oswald to have gotten all those uh, shots off himself in the time period. That said, Jill, there's skepticism because the Secret Service agent is now 88. And suddenly he's coming up with a story 60 years after the assassination. This November marks 60 years. So there are some folks being like, Typically, you don't remember things better when you get into your 80s and it's 60 years after an event. So he's coming out with this because he has a new book, right? Is that kind of the He's 88, late in life, feels like he has to be honest. And yes, he has a book out about his experience as a Secret Service agent that day. All right, a couple other historical items we'll make mention here. Uh, On this day in 1959, the Soviet Union landed the first space probe on the moon, as we've told you about here. The Soviets actually beat the U.S. to almost everything in space until it came to putting astronauts on the moon, which is when the U.S. finally beat the Soviets. By the way, interested in space history? We got that for you on Mo News Premium, too. Have an interview that we put out yesterday on a new book out about the first six American women in space. It's a fascinating conversation. I'll give you a quick teaser here. We talk about how Sally Ride had to explain how tampons work to NASA engineers. Among the many challenges women had to deal with in the space program. Oi, is all I could say. (laughs) A couple other notes from the 80s. On this day in 1983, 40 years ago, Arnold Schwarzenegger became an American citizen. He would go on, of course, to become an actor and the governor of California. On this day in 1984, one Michael Jordan signed a seven-year contract with the Chicago Bulls after the Portland Trailblazers made a huge mistake in passing him up in the draft for Sam Bowie. Do you remember Sam Bowie? Probably not. Big mistake. Big. Huge. (laughs) A lot of good references here. <laughs> that, of course, is Pretty, pretty woman. woman, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Pretty Woman. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Taking us nicely transition here to On This Day in Music History. On This Day in 1966, the sitcom The Monkees, featuring a fictional pop rock group based on the Beatles, debuted on American TV. It lasted two seasons, but this fake group, This TV show, they had a whole bunch of hits, including Daydream Believer, I'm a Believer. And so the Monkees on this day, 1966. Fast forward to the 90s, turning 25 today. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. That's one of the hits from Lauryn Hill's first solo album, The Mystification of Lauryn Hill. It debuted at number one on this day in 98. And finally now, Jill, the answer to the clue from the beginning with the song lyrics. I'm bringing sexy back. Yeah. Boys don't know how to act. Yeah. Come to the back, VIP, Drinks on Me. Coined by the one and only Justin Timberlake on this day in 2006. 
You know, when you say the lyrics of these songs without the music, I feel like you realize yeah, how, hard. <laughs> how dumb they are in a way. <laughs> how dumb the lyrics are? You know what's interesting about this song? So uh, first of all, I should finish the On This Day. On This Day in History, he released his second solo album, Timberlake did, called Future Sex Love Sounds. The lead single, Sexy Back, helped it go to number one, helped it sell over 9 million copies. Interestingly, the song, you know, he says, take me to the chorus, take me to the verse. He actually like cues up. He actually literally says in the lyrics where he's going next in the song, which until I looked back at the lyrics today, I totally forgot. All right. So maybe they're not as dumb as I, as I thought they were. <laughs> Take me to the bridge. Jill, that's our cue. Take us to the end. Remember when you used to say, read us out. All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Mo News podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And review us in the App Store. Jill, did I mention that we have Mo News Premium going on over here? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> so we did the JFK assassination deep dive. We talked about the Saudis in 9-11 yesterday. We did a thing on state legislatures. People are into gerrymandering, answering questions about that. A little bit of everything for all of you over there on Premium. We have the deep dive into women in space over on the Members Only podcast. All of that. The Members Only Instagram. The Members Only podcast. Available to the Mo News Premium community, mo.news slash premium. It supports what we're doing here. If you want to continue to hear the deep cuts from the 90s via Jill, the deep cuts from the 17th century from me, you can support us by joining Mo News Premium. We have a trial going on right now with the code Mo News Trial. You can do that over at mo.news slash premium. And I will start doing some more behind the scenes videos, I promise. Actually, Mosh, now that you and Alex aren't doing Mondays with Mosh, we are going to try to live stream a couple of podcasts. We're going to do that in the coming weeks. Jill, I will see you a little bit later today. We have a cooking class we're taking today. Mosh, I will see you later. I am very jealous. I think Alex, I'm guessing, is going to be helping you out. We'll see. She's 39 weeks pregnant now, Jill. I think she's going to just <laughs> recline and watch from afar and throw things at me if I get something wrong. Fair enough. Well-deserved. Uh, see you later. And bye, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.